Welcome to a conversation with John Philpin. Each week, John cuts through the noise and fills your ears with interviews, stories, and most importantly, clarity. Clarity in our ever-changing and shifting world to put people first. Over to you, John. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you are on this planet of ours. I'm delighted today to have Greg Orm on the show. Uh, Greg's joining us from London in the United Kingdom. Greg is many things, an author, a presenter, a keynote speaker. But I asked him to come on today because he published a new book last year called The Human Edge. It won the Business Book Awards of the Year for 2020. It's a fascinating read. Um, I haven't, I'll be perfectly honest, I've not read it completely yet, but I have got it. I've been working through it. And the topics that Greg writes about is spot on for what I think about in the world of people first. Greg kindly agrees to come on to the show today. And let me, Greg, hello. Well, hello, John. Delighted to be here. Thanks for the, the very kind introduction. Indeed, Greg, indeed. Um, we'll get onto the sort of subject of the book very soon, but, but just give for the, reader, for, <laughs> for the readers, for the listeners um, of the podcast today, just give in, in, in your own words a couple of minutes about who you are and how you came to, read, uh, to write this, uh, this, this book, The Human Edge. Well, thanks, John. I, I help organisations and leaders respond to disruption. And of course, we've got a lot of that at the moment. Uh, and I do that <laughs> through coaching and facilitation and speaking and also writing in the area of organizational change, leadership, with a specialism, I guess, around creativity and innovation. Creativity and innovation, everybody says, and including yourself, in fact, you, you've talked about how curiosity and creativity are your superpowers in the digital economy. Um, I couldn't agree more. I think it's amazing. And what I'd like to talk a little bit about is, is you've obviously identified that. A number of people talk around that. My experience is, though, that people kind of lock that down a little bit and they sort of move away from it and say, I'm not creative. How can I do that? How do you release that creativity in people just to even get them to understand how they can compete in that way? Uh, absolutely. And I've been asking for many years, groups of uh, executives, a, a series of two questions. The first question is, do you feel uh, your, yourself that you're a highly creative person? And it's pretty standard that only about a third of any room uh, that I ask generally put their hand up. Everyone else either says not sure or no. And then I ask them the second question is, do you think creativity is important in disrupted business environments? And sort of a forest of hands go up and it's 100%. And there's that disparity between those two questions is what really got me interested in writing about this subject, first with the spark and now with the human edge. And I think it's one of the reasons why, for the first question, not enough put, people put their hand up is because creativity gets knocked out of us a little bit at school. That process continues in the workplace. It becomes mythologized. This, this word creativity gets taken away from us. It becomes something that's remote and mysterious. And, and I feel it's my mission uh, with The Human Edge and, and various other blogs and writings that I do to try and help people rekindle and, and reclaim it. 
I, th- I think that's absolutely great. I, I wonder whether some of the issues around creativity is, you know, I, I sometimes describe myself as creative and other times I don't. And I don't when I think, you know, I play a guitar, I'm not a guitarist. I don't think of myself as a writer, even though I write a lot. And there's something about creativity where I attribute that to, um, how would I put it, people that have made it, right? So I draw things. I, if I can't draw a picture of something, I don't understand it but I'm not an artist. Is, do you think that has anything to do with this sort of self-deprecation that we have around our own creative processes? Yeah, well, I think that speaks to a couple of things that I've found in my research about creativity. One, um, often the attitude is creativity kind of belongs to geniuses and special people, which is right. you know, part of the process <laughs> that happens to us. The, the other is, in your question, I, I, I sense the difference and I call it the difference between craft, being good at something, being good at playing uh, the guitar or or painting. That's a craft. And creativity, and creativity is not a skill like that. It's actually an attitude. It's a way of seeing the world. It's a way of actually questioning the world, being restless, not being satisfied with what you're given and trying something different. Now, of course, these things too can can cross over and you can get really creative guitarists and really creative painters but they are actually two separate things in the first instance creativity is a way of seeing the world and, and that as a result you can apply it to anything it can be a, a applied to business and problem solving and and indeed reimagining yourself you're absolutely right in fact your, your comment about creative guitarists i can think of some very bad guitarists but are in fact very creative. <laughs> so, yeah. so yes, I totally understand what you're saying there. Um, how, when you walk, walk into a business and you start talking about it, you're presenting to them, you're working with your workshops and groups, um, what are they thinking? They've obviously called you in. They obviously in themselves feel that they're missing something that Greg can add to. What do you think running through their mind typically that makes them think, we're not creative enough, let's get Greg in? What's going on? Well, I think it's it's sort of the, the the clue to that is in the subtitle of my my new book, The Human Edge, which is you know how curiosity and creativity are your superpowers in the digital economy, and and the backdrop to all this is of course you know in my day job I work directly with large organisations trying to work out what they need in the culture, in the environment, and of course what they need in the behaviour of their leaders. And poll after poll of senior leaders shows that the capability for individuals and teams to be creative, to really take on new challenges and come up with different solutions is more and more important. And and that's not surprising in a world that's changing at such with such rapidity, uh, you know, the, the old algorithmic ways of sort of just doing what you've done before and doing it faster and cheaper isn't always the solution now. And so that's, I, I guess, why someone like me is called in to encourage the leaders to start the process of making the culture more creative. And you're finding that businesses are recognizing that of their own volition, this understanding that they haven't got what it takes in this creative world. I think so. They certainly start to talk about it. Uh, so I, you know, my my work takes me into automotive businesses and manufacturing businesses and engineering businesses and technology and recruitment and all. It's it's pretty much industry agnostic. So I've not met an organisation yet. I mean, I I don't work with like 
of really heavy duty mining companies or whatever. But I work with a lot of different industries that aren't talking about innovation and creativity being more important. There is a big gap between talking about it and actually really taking actions to change the environment and support people's creativity. And sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't, but it does start with the individuals and that's where they call me in to talk to their leaders and, and try and help them to, to think in a different way. Now, of course, you have an edge and people know about you. You're a, you're a, um, a director at the London Business School and uh, obviously practices discipline um, inside out. It, it, what's, um, tell me about your role there, what, what you're doing for them that's different to what you do as, as your own person, writing your own books, doing your own keynotes, or, or is it sort of one big morphed world of, of Greg in that, that point? Uh, well, you know, I, I sort of do, there's, there's big crossovers between these things. So my role at London Business School is as a program director. So that's in the, what we call the custom executive education department. And so, um, so I, I work with BMW, for example, and BMW will come in and say, we want our senior leaders to, to experience uh, and to pick up these kind of capabilities. And they'll bring me in to design an experience, a learning program, which brings in my colleagues from all the different departments to try and put together something to help them with that. And of course, John, I'm sure you can see the crossover between doing that having access to all that, having access to the need in the organization and my writing. So uh, I'm very lucky that one feeds the other. I, I, I wouldn't be able to survive and write new things without my exposure to clients. Yeah, no, and, and London Business School, I remember from when I was last there, which I have to say is a little few few years ago now, but it's a, it's a super place, great setting and some fascinating work going on there. So uh, kudos to you for that one. Um, the 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 thing that I like most about this is is uh, not not most that's the wrong way to put it but but what attracted me to you and what you're writing is is the connection to what I talk about in People First. Um, you know, I have a series of pillars and tenets that sit within the People First frameworks, and one of my observations is this idea that um, we are slowly being replaced by the machine, by AI, et cetera. And everybody's going, oh, my God, the end of the world is coming. Nobody's going to be able to work, you know, work anymore. To which I say, who really wants to work anyway? <laughs> but we'll <laughs> take that aside. Um, you know, to me, it, work is just something that gets us money. If you could get your money without having to turn up and do whatever you do, would you carry on doing it? But but I I really like this idea of this 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 idea of humanity. So I don't know whether you've seen or or heard of uh, Doug Rushkoff and what he's doing with Team Human, but he's a professor out of I think it's New York. I'll have to check that. I'll put it in the show notes. But Team Human, he is a book that he wrote and is talking about humanity. You know, it's not just about the machine. It's not just about data. We are analog people, not digital people, and. That what you're talking about resonated in the same way, you know. And, and Doug talks about you know his final chapter in his book um, is just find more, i.e., find more people. So I'm found you. <laughs> this is great. So oh, I'm pleased about that. <laughs> no, you should you should check you should check Douglas out. He interviewed Mike Nesmith from the Monkeys the other day. So he's a very eclectic chap, without a doubt. Um, what 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 would you if there was one takeaway from this book that as people are listening today that they were saying, this chap sounds very interesting, 
He's absolutely got something nailed. What's the one takeaway of the book that you'd like to drive home to the listeners of this podcast right now to say, you know, if you don't read this book, you're going to miss out on? What would that be? Need for it, because obviously we've got the four C's, which are the superpowers, which I explore. And I hope my mission was to make those accessible rather than being uh, kind of ephemeral and, and mysterious. So I cover consciousness and curiosity and creativity and collaboration, which I think are the things that we need to get better at. The, the, I think you're getting at the threat. What, why do you really need this? Well, uh, the backdrop of this uh, is that every job that is truly algorithmic, that you can actually repetitive and routine, that you can effectively write down all the keystrokes for, uh, how you do it or how anybody or millions of other people do it, do that job, that probably will be automated sometime in, in the next five to 10 years. That's pretty inevitable. That does leave a lot of other jobs that won't be automated. But it was against that backdrop, uh, which actually I think has probably been rather overhyped in the newspapers. So I looked into it and found that's true. And, and I, I think you don't want to be in some professions because they certainly will go the way of being automated. What will happen for the rest of us in slightly more complex jobs, in knowledge worker jobs, is actually AI will cheese slice away the parts that it's simply better at. Uh, and my view, which I argue in the book, is why, why go into battle with something you're going to lose? If it's going to be better at the routine parts of your life, what you should do is retreat to the more human types, uh, parts of your job, the more human roles within your job. So I've written a book to help you do that better, to be more creative, to be more curious, because AI is coming in and it's very good with through machine learning at uh, responding to the last question. We humans need to actually pose the next question and drive things forward uh, to, to think generally and AI is just not very good at that. So, and we are luckily. So, why not differentiate yourself and succeed in the in the world of machines? I'm always happy to differentiate myself from a machine. That's for sure. There was an old, a long time ago, I read something that if your job can be replaced by a machine, then aren't you happy about that? Um, we aren't machines, right? We're human beings, not human doings. Is the other line that I often use. Um, so, so this this idea of machines coming in taking this what, how do you describe the cheese slice of of your your actions um one of my observations about business though is that you know they are a machine themselves they have a, it's a black box and in comes people and resources at one side it gets processed and something comes out the other side called a product or service which hopefully sells for more than the input on the, on the other side and and the business itself has to allow for that creativity. It's not just me. So I can turn up to work and say, today's my creative day. I'm switching it all on. I'm going to give you all kinds of crazy new ideas, dear business. And the business says, get back to your job. What should I do in that position? If, if the, the, there's a tension between what the business is asking for. Yes, and- I'm, I'm, I'm stepping out of my rails. I'm saying, you know, I understand all this process can be replaced, but here are some creative ideas of how I can operate differently. And the business says, but that's not your job. What, what yeah, should absolutely. I as an individual yeah. do? And we find, we, I find that creativity all the time. I, when I wrote The Spark, I used to call this the yin and yang of creative leadership because it's, it's not one thing or other, another. There is often tension in a business. And, of course, all businesses 
need to be efficient and they need to deliver the product on time. And there's that part of it. Uh, and I think this is one of the reasons why organizations tend to bring me into de- uh, to work with the leaders because it's their choice to corral off some of the time, some of the resources, some of the space to do a different type of thinking, uh, to, do, to, to, to think divergently about different things and to create a space, and this is what leadership is in a creative sense, to create a space in which other people feel able to step forward and take the risk of being creative with them. Uh, and so mm. the changing the weather in a, in a particular team uh, is really the responsibility of the leader. They need to send out signals and behaviours that it's okay to think in a creative way. Interesting. Do you find in the different industries, you mentioned to work in the car industry and different disparate industries, although not in, say, mining industries, but across the different ones that you do have experience of, are you finding there's certain industries that are more open and embracive of what you're talking about? Or is it more to do with the people inside that industry that decides whether they are open to it? In other words, you know, yeah, so I think it's a, a really good question. I, I think generally um, organizations change because they have to, uh, you know, because change is expensive uh, and risky. Mm. And so the organizations that are seeking out this ability to be creative uh, and innovative uh, and to change themselves are ones where their context is changing the most. And it's not, I mean, I've worked quite a lot recently over the last five or six years with a, with a number of different automotive businesses. And if you think about it, it's not surprising that those companies that have come from a, a legacy of industrialization uh, and were deeply bureaucratic and industrial are feeling those changing pains the most. Because uh, I think probably in my view, automation is one of the industries most impacted by technological disruption. There's, you know, there's a saying in that industry that will change more in the next 10 years than we have in the last 100. And I don't think that's just a cliche. I've also been bought in a lot for financial services businesses because, again, technology is changing the game. And when that happens, you slightly weirdly and paradoxically, when the machines are coming in, you need your people to step up to help you respond to work out how your business model changes, how you're serving your customers differently, because machines can't do that for us. They're just a tool in that process. You know, you've chosen, chosen two industries, which are, are, are very interesting. So on the car side, the automotive world, yes, you can see the manufacturing process. So a Tesla comes along and says, this is a new way of how you actually build a car at one end. And then at the other end, the automation of the self-driving changes the design of the car completely. So in that world, I can definitely get what you're saying. In the financial world, um, you're sitting in an outside observer. You know, people from big banks don't tend to call John up and say, give us a hand, John. But as I look at it, I mean, financial innovation has been around ever since the big bang back in the 80s. And things have been changing at a pace in the industry. And yet, banks on the whole don't seem to change. What is it you're feeling now that's going on in technology that is making banks sit up? Or, or is it other kinds of institutions we're talking about here? Well, I'm, I'm, listen, I, you know, I've worked with them. I would, wouldn't say I'm an expert on the banking industry, but you know, if you think uh, in that about case, you're perfectly qualified. <laughs> if you think, of, if you think about the different 
um, issues that are changing technology and how technology changes society and that changes our behavior, which (laughs) it's a sort of in a circle. I think it's mobile computing and the fact that we're all carrying this incredible supercomputer around in our pockets, mobile banking. that was, I, I realised actually people have been predicting for probably 10 years that's going to massively change the banks. We pro- I haven't seen a lot of evidence of it, but I think they do feel that that will change things. So, uh, again, these are organisations, many of which uh, have been uh, very large, some of them former government-owned, and they're in desperate need of cultural change and the ability to be a little bit more agile and nimble. So they're feeling this need just like my automotive clients. Yes, in- interesting. Yeah, as I say, I, I've not, I, I spent two years uh, in Citibank, um, sounds like a prison sentence. It wasn't, it wasn't. But, um, but again, at the time, the idea was we need to change, we need to move along, and a group of us are brought in to bring massive change and transformation into it. But like always, it's like, yes, we can do all the technology and sort out all the processes, but it all starts with people. And if you haven't got people ready to accept that there's a new and better way of doing something, you do get a lot of fight back. So, um, so that was my experience uh, of one bank. Um, and uh, they're still around. They're still doing great work. So I presume everything's good in there. Um, uh, well, Greg, it comes back to what you yes. were saying earlier, John, about the, the, the tension between people saying they want to be creative and then it not really happening. I mean, yes. you know, you do see uh, fads, uh, people bringing in design thinking tools, for example. Uh, but, and you know, I'm not criticizing design thinking. I think it's a reasonably good creative process. It's sort of uh, migrated across from the design world. But unless that organization gets its leadership behaviors and its culture aligned so people can have fun, can let themselves go, yes. be more human, those tools and techniques and procedures simply won't work. You need the environment and the culture to support it. Yeah, you're, it's funny. Is it? But design thinking, by the way, let's take down the grey cubicles before we set up the design thinking studio. But, uh, yeah, it, <laughs> is there anything particularly that, before we sort of start bringing this to a close, because it's been a fascinating conversation, but I also aware that it's getting late for you. We want to move this along. Is there anything specifically that you'd like to bring out for the listeners of the People First podcast today that sort of uh, just to remind people, I'm going to put all the links and information about you in the show notes so will people be able to track back and find you? Um, But anything you'd like to add to what we've already talked about? Well, sure. I'll just say, you know, effectively what brought us together was this book that's come out and has had such an impact and uh, and, uh, it's been really gratifying to see. And it was prompted by this context we've talked about of artificial intelligence and technological disruption, which I think has probably been accelerated by COVID-19. But the real heart of the book is these innate human powers that actually we're quite naturally good at, uh, but get lost uh, on the way through uh, uh, growing up at school and organisations. And at the very heart of it, there are four C's, but I'd say first amongst equal is this idea of creativity. And I, and I would just say to people, if you are one of those people that thinks creativity, actually making new things that are interesting to the world and having a passion and bringing it into the world is for other people, you should reconsider it. Because certainly in my book, there are practical things that you can do to make creativity a habit, uh, part of your life. And it's not just for business. Of course, creativity precedes 
all innovation and it's kind of important from that perspective it actually is something that leads to a richer and more fulfilled life and and i wish that for everybody a richer and fulfilled life that certainly is something i would wish for everybody as well greg orm thank you very very much for coming on the podcast today it's absolutely fascinating to listen to you the book is downloaded i now need to read it and i'm going to do that i'll then probably write something about it on my new blog But thank you for coming along. Thank you for spending time with us. And uh, with that, I'll say goodbye to you and talk to you very, very soon, I hope. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, John. Thanks a lot. We look forward to you joining us next time. And if you found this interesting, please do share the podcast. All the links referenced today are in the show notes. If you have any questions or comments, please do not hesitate in connecting directly with John Philpin. Stay safe and stay well.